Once again, or perhaps for the first time, we gather together in this beautiful place. We gather with people we know well and people we don't know well, if know at all. And on the surface, we look like a simple collective of like-minded people. But when we dig deeper, we discover that we differ in many, many respects from other collectives of like-minded people. We're not really here as spectators to be entertained, as if we're sitting in a concert hall having paid $100 to hear someone perform. Though we occasionally slip into that kind of thinking, and we're not here as citizens lobbying for a political party, you know, coming together to select our candidate and to cheer that candidate on. And we're not here as the Parent Teachers Association concerned about the education of our children, though we are concerned about our children. And we're not here as students sitting in a classroom, though in many respects this looks like a classroom and you're sitting here listening to me. And we're not here as, as fans cheering on our team. There is much, much, much more going on here than appears on the surface. Here's how the, the Bible describes who we are. In 1 Peter 2, verse 9 and 10, he says to you and me, sitting right here right now, you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people belonging to God that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Once you were nobody, but now you are the people of God. Once you had not received mercy, but now you've received mercy. And Paul echoes some of that in his writings and he says to us in 1 Corinthians 12, 27, you all, and if you went into the Greek, that's what it would say, you all. You all are the body of Christ. Each one of you is part of it. Friends, it's a pleasure to come here with you this morning should say hi to my brother in Texas in case he's watching. It's his birthday today, my brother Dan. He's my younger brother, who though he looks older than me, I think. <laughs> I'll put that out there. Friends, this gathering of broken people, you and me, this gathering of ragamuffins is nothing less than a chosen people a royal priesthood. Princess Di has nothing on us, you know, and the queens and kings. A holy nation, God's special people. We are the beloved of God the Father, the bride of Christ, 
and the temple of the Holy Spirit. And more than that, more on point, we are the body of Christ. Called together to be Christ to one another and to the world. And like Christ, we have been called to live in and out of three vital relationships. Do you remember in Luke, how in Luke chapter 6, Jesus ordered his life, patterned his life to live in and out of three vital relationships. The first vital relationship we find in Luke chapter 6 verse 12, where we see Jesus finding a place where he could spend time with his father in prayer. A time and a place where he could focus his attention on the Lord and be in fellowship with his Father in heaven. So that was that upward orientation. And then we read in Luke chapter 6, verse 13, that he, he broke away from God the Father and he moved in to his people, hanging out with his disciples from whom he chose 12 apostles. And then from those 12, he developed an even smaller group of three really close buddies. And then we read in Luke chapter 6, verse 17, that in, instead of just hanging out with his friends, he, he stepped into the world and hung out with those who wanted to hear him, who, who wanted to touch him, who wanted to be healed by him. He, he went out into the broken world and, and did the work of the kingdom. So you see, my friend, Jesus ordered his busy, busy life around these three relationships of spending time with the Father, spending time in fellowship with believers, and spending time in the world. And we then, Elmhurst Church, who are the body of Christ, live out our faith in the same way. We not only believe in Jesus... We not only follow his teaching, but as the body of Christ, we pattern our life after Christ. And like Christ, we live and move out of three dimensions. We spend time looking up to be with God the Father. This time and place, and others perhaps, that we set aside as a people of God to gather in the name of the Lord to be the body of Christ, to pray to the Father, to praise, to the, fa to praise the Father, and to hear from the Father through the preaching of the Word. We come to Gather, as Peter said, to declare the glory of him who called us out of darkness into his wonderful light. And we come to simply receive a word from the Lord. Sometimes people look at the sermon as if it's a discourse to be evaluated, a lecture to be analyzed. This much I know is that I'm a broken piece of trash. I spend a long time preparing a sermon, and I only hope that God will give you one word through my many words. One word. 
Because one word from the Lord is better than a million from me. Amen? Yeah, you can amen that. Yeah, yeah. All I need is one word. One word, Lord. Speak to me, Lord. Speak to me. And so we gather as a people to, to come to the Lord and say, Lord, we want to praise you. We want to fellowship and we want to hear your word. But then we, we also gather sometimes almost daily as brothers and sisters in Christ in fellowship with one another. We reach in to the body of Christ. We find a wonderful example of this in Acts chapter 2, verses 42 and 47. And that first church in Jerusalem where they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. All these things that you can't do by yourself, all these things that you do in intentional community with one another, And everyone was filled with awe at the many signs and wonders performed by the apostles. The believers were together. They held everything in common. They sold property, took offerings, gave to anyone who had need. And every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They then broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. So we have this example that's been with us for now nearly 2,000 years of how the body of Christ functions inwardly, that we live out our faith together corporately through discipleship, through studying God's word together, through teaching one another, through fellowship or koinonia where we open up our hearts to one another in prayer, and then through service to one another by helping one another and caring for one another. In other words, as a fellowship, we build community through around God's word and through service to one another motivated by God's love. We as a church, the body of Christ, live out the three-dimensional life of Christ, spending time in place to look up to God the Father, spending time to, to reach into one another, and then finally to go out into the community as the body of Christ for the community. In Matthew 5, verse 13, we read, you are the salt of the earth. If salt has lost its taste, how shall its saltiness be restored? It's no longer good for anything. You, my people, are the light of the world. And a city set on a hill cannot be hidden. Nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a stand so that it gives light to the whole house. So let your light shine so others may see your good works and give glory to your Father in heaven. Earlier this year, I had the privilege of meeting an outstanding Christian man a Japanese Christian, Japanese-American Christian, whose name I'll probably mispronounce, but as I read it as an Anglo, Makoto Fujimura. Fujimura. I feel just smart saying his name, you know, Fujimura. 
he, uh, he's got a fascinating story as one, as a Japanese-American who lived just a few blocks from ground zero of 9-11, right? And he intersects his experience with Hiroshima, right? Just fascinating perspective. Because after 9-11, he went back home to Japan with his family for a while. He's a, an artist, visual artist, author of several works, and the one I've been reading lately is called Culture Care. And in this book, he describes one way that we as a church live out in the community. And he does this by comparing the church to sunflowers. Sunflowers. Found that fascinating. Did you know that sunflowers have a unique ability to suck up the radioactive isotopes in the soil in which they're planted and store them in their seeds? So if you have, like, radioactive material in Japan post-2011 when there was this big nuclear leakage in Japan, the farmers went out and planted sunflower seeds. And the sunflowers sucked up the radioactive material in the contaminated soil and returned the soil to wholeness. Fujimura plays on that image and he says, we live in a broken and contaminated world. Our responsibility is to plant seeds of hope in the radioactive soil of disappointment, fear, and trauma. That's what God has called us to do as a church. To plant seeds of hope in the radioactive soil of disappointment, fear, and trauma. But in order to do that, of course, we must be willing to plant ourselves in radioactive soil. In a broken and contaminated world so that the Lord may use up to suck up that junk and bring that space to wholeness. <laughs> That's what some of you counselors do every day. I give you credit. You just step into the muck. like a sunflower seed. Friends, here we are. And we just kind of look like a bunch of people gathered for a movie at a theater, you know? Except you don't have any popcorn. But the scriptures tells us that this gathering of broken people, of ragamuffins, is nothing less than the very body of Christ. Christ. 
who, like Christ, live and move in and out of three relationships. Like Christ, we as a people set aside time to be with our Father in heaven. And like Christ, we hang out with one another throughout the week so that we can be Christ to one another in countless ways. And then like Christ, we enter the world as agents of mercy and grace. This is who we are. But now I, I, I need to drive that home and ask you, is that who you want to be? In other words, will we join together and live out of that identity or really suppress that identity? Do we want to be that body of Christ who lives in and out of these three relationships? Or will we settle for something less? Think about it. Do we want to be the kind of people who gather on a regular basis in time and space to have fellowship with God? The choice here is really between being in the presence of God where we experience his transforming power and being outside of this presence where we may not necessarily experience that power. Now, let me clarify this, because I think someone from the first service would probably say, Hamstra, he had me a little confused. God is everywhere. God is everywhere, all right? He's he's on Roosevelt Road. He's on the golf course. He's in the parks. He's always at Wrigley Field, (laughs) except yesterday. He didn't show up, all right? But God is here among us in a way that he is not there. Follow me? God is here among his people as the body of Christ, the temple of the Holy Spirit, in a way that he is not at Wrigley Field. When I went to Wrigley Field Friday night for that cold ball game, I did not go expecting an encounter with God. I went there to be entertained. But when we gather, we gather with expectation because we are the body of Christ, the temple of the Holy Spirit, and God is here. God is here like he's not there. Which makes me hard to figure out that why we we choose to be out there rather than here. The average attendance in the American, average Christian in the American church goes to church twice a month. Why is that? Why would we rather spend time out there than right here with the body of Christ, the temple of the Holy Spirit, where God is alive and well. God is here in this space, not because of the pews, but because of the people in the pews. Because when we gather in his name, we are the temple of the Holy Spirit. And so you may come every week with expectation. You may come every week with excitement. You may come every time saying, you know, Lord, I don't feel like being here, but I know you're there. 
And I'd rather be where you're at than where I'm at right now. Think about that. <laughs> I'm going to stay home from church because I don't feel, I'd rather just sit here with my miserable self. Does that make sense to you? No. We're going to be a people, will we not? Who say, like Christ, we're going to set aside time and place to be in fellowship with God. Amen? That's the upward dimension, and some of you are going, to, are going to work on that so we can be a better family and team together. But then there's, do we want to be the kind of church that really steps in? This really is a choice between being an authentic congregation or really a bunch of posers, you know, fakers. That's, I mean, it, people say you sound like your brother Don, you know. When you just kind of lay it out there. That's Pastor Bert's smile. You sound like your brother Don. Yeah, I know no other way, you know. It's like we can either be the real thing or a bunch of fakes. I mean, that's really the option before us, right? We can live as the body of Christ, the family of God, as brothers and sisters in Christ who love one another like Christ has loved us, or we can just come like a collective of of like-minded individuals without commitments to one another, And so surely, yeah, we can come here and fake it and we can profess to love one another and not love one another. But is that really where we want to be as a people of God? Bill Hybels once wrote, we can be a band of Christ followers who love each other with a radical kind of love, who take off our masks and share our lives together, who laugh and cry and pray and sing and serve together in authentic Christian fellowship, who share freely with those in need until all socioeconomic barriers melt away, who relate to one another in ways that bridge gender and racial chasms and celebrate cultural differences. That is the kind of church we find in Acts chapter 2, and that is the kind of church that Christ calls us to be as we live into one another and love one another as Christ has loved us. Amen? And, and, and I need to work on that. I told you that a couple weeks ago. I, I need to work on that. I, I need to work on my in, all right? Um, I, I need to get that done. Hold me accountable to that, Pastor. So, so we live up we live in, and then as a fellowship of believers, we go out. And that's really the choice between living in purpose or just kind of pointlessly, selfishly gazing at ourselves, you know. We just love our community so much we don't want to let anybody else in. We are the body of Christ. Of Christ who lived out his life in three dimensions. The body of Christ whose mission was to seek and save the lost. And who upon his ascension mandated the church to pick up his mission 
of seeking and saving the lost and sent us the Holy Spirit to empower us to do so. So as the body of Christ, not just as individuals, but as a fellowship of believers, we have been called to step into the muck of the world and be planted in that radioactive soil like sunflowers so that we may bring wholeness to the space where we are invited. What a wonderful challenge to be out as a congregation. And the leadership then has this, this challenge, you know, is how do we balance all of this? How do we make sure that we're not just spending all of our time in worship and all of our time in, or so much time in fellowship that we neglect the community in which we live in? How do we balance that? It's hard. You know, we have this beautiful facility here that we love. It's so, it ministers so well, and so we have a tendency to kind of just, you know, invite everybody here, right, to our house. It's not what Jesus did. He went out into the not-so-pretty spaces of the world to plant hope so that people might see the light and declare the praises of him who called us into darkness. Friends, we are God's chosen people. <laughs> A royal priesthood. We are the beloved of the Father, the bride of Christ, the temple of the Holy Spirit. We are the body of Christ. And the Lord calls us to live out that identity by following not only the teaching of our Lord, but the example of our Lord, who lived up, in, and out. Let us pray. Father, thank you. <laughs> We were once nobodies. <laughs> we were once nothing. But you, you claimed us out of the ash heap to be your very own. Wow. Thank you, thank you. And you called us not just individually, but you actually called us into a community whose sum is far greater than all the parts and whose power is so much more manifest than its sum. Help us to live out our identity as the body and bride of Christ. Help every, each and every one of us in this fellowship to do our part to help Elmhurst Church be that kind of church, or I should say not become it, because I think we're, there are, there's some of this already going on, but to just deepen our walk in this direction so that, Lord, we may be that people who declare your glory to you and praise to one another and love and to the world with hope. 
It's in the name of Jesus we pray it. And all God's people say, amen.